For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The prop gun maker claims she filed a complaint against Halls that same year on the set of a different project, claiming Halls regularly neglected safety protocols for weapons. Sean Rima, 9 till 11, News Talk 550, KTSA, and FM 1071. Six minutes after nine on News Talk 550, KTSA, FM 1071, and uh, a lot of folks are still talking about the uh, uh, this tragedy on the set of Rust involving Alec Baldwin. And we're going to talk about it also uh, coming up next hour at 10.05. Uh, i got a radio buddy of mine who has a friend who is also a cinematographer and uh, uh, was good friends with Helena uh, Hutchins and also has worked with Baldwin on a few occasions. And uh, this just came my way a couple of days ago, and he asked if I wanted to talk to him on the air, and I said, yep. Uh, so we're going to talk, we're going to talk with uh, Dan Frankel uh, coming up next hour. And uh, and get some of his insight uh, into this. You know, I as far as who's to blame, I you know I don't know yet. I mean, I'm I'm kind of keeping my mind, my brain open on this. I mean, because I I've heard many things over the past week. Um, I I will say that uh, when you uh, when you uh, are the executive producer of a movie, which I didn't really know at the beginning of the story. You know, you really kind of bear responsibility for the climate on that on that set. Uh, you're also in charge of what producing the money to to fund the project. So uh, Baldwin was, I believe, an executive producer on this thing, and so if there were issues, and we know there must have been issues, because many in the crew left just out. They walked off the set hours before uh, uh, this tragedy happened. And one of the reasons, uh, there are two reasons stated, is, is based upon what I've read, uh, that uh, uh, was the cause of, of this walkout. And the first one was accommodations and that they were put up in crummy, crappy motels in Albuquerque about an hour away from the set. Some of them were sleeping in their car, so they didn't have to drive that hour after a 14, 15-hour day on set. Uh, and the other uh, complaint was uh, unsafe conditions. So if you're the executive producer where you you kind of you kind of bear responsibility for that. Uh as far as the handling of weapons on a set and what those protocols are, well I I've, I've heard I've heard different things. You know, I've heard there's a three-person protocol and the actor is the last person. Uh I've heard other things. So again, when we talk to Mr. Frankel uh coming up next hour, we'll we'll ask him about that. Uh, apart from you know some of the other things I want to talk to him about, and we'll, we'll spend some good time with him uh, next hour. Uh, as far as blaming Alec Baldwin for the actual shooting, I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm I just I don't have an opinion yet uh, on that. Uh, what do you think? Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Also tonight, game one of the World Series, man. Yeah, yeah, baby. I loves me some baseball. Gonna be some late damn nights for Mr. For Mr. Old, old Mr. Sean here. Cause that game don't start till damn seven o'clock tonight. Oh, I'll have to miss the first hour. Cause Why I got a, I got a meeting. I got a meetings oh. every night. So, but that's fine. Uh, by the time I get home, it'll be in full swing, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, uh. So you voting uh, for the Astros in this? Or? Yeah, I, or? I'm hoping for redemption. Right. <laughs> because I was so, what, what year was it? Was it two, what year was it that they won the last one? 2019. Yeah, I don't remember. It wasn't that long ago, but no. there was that whole uh, trash can yeah. banging thing. And, I was uh, so happy for them, and I, I I was so thrilled. And then that happened, right. and it just kind of put a pall over the whole thing. Because uh, it happened at a time when Houston really needed that. Yeah. You know, because Harvey had just happened recently. And right. So, you know, they were still reeling from that's, all of oh, that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And we were all pulling them because they just got slammed by Harvey. Right. And then that happened. Yeah. And it's like, oh man. So I'm I am hoping Plus, for redemption. Their, their other sports teams are terrible. What's that? Houston's other sports teams. <laughs> I don't are terrible. know that. I don't know. The Texans I, are awful. Right? Is you that know? football? Yeah. 
Look, Chris is looking at. Well, I, how would I know? I don't follow football. Rockets haven't been all that. What do that? What do they do? Basketball. It's basketball. basketball. Okay. Right. I didn't know that. I did not know that. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I hope it goes well. Altuve. What? See, I wish I could go because I want to be in the stand and just go bang, 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 bang. bang. <laughs> Stop, Stop it. it. That would be horrible. Let's bring your own trash can night. <laughs> Don was saying they're going to make him put all the garbage in hefty bags. Yeah. Because you can't really, you know, signal anybody by going. No, they blow up the same effect. They blow up a hefty bag and they just pop it. <laughs> so, out the way. I hope I go. I hope it goes all right. I hope they win. Me too. And then there'll be some redemption there. Win fair and square, no controversies, and then I can get me another hat and start wearing it again. Because I, I had uh, my stepdaughter got me an Astros World Series championship hat, right? And then I then I just stopped wearing it after the trash can. Well, you could put a little asterisk on that. <laughs> a little asterisk, you know, a caveat on my stinking ball cap, man. <laughs> Sports writers love that type of thing. <laughs> right, you right, could put right. Put that on there; it'd be great fun. Oh God! So anyway, people would stop and say, "Hey, man, why is there an asterisk?" Well, on your let asterisk me explain. Well, I'm happy they won. Not happy you cheated. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I hope it goes well. Again, there'll be some late nights. Uh, game one tonight at seven. Oh man! And we'll, you know, we'll talk to Rudy J uh, a little later on down the, down the road at ESPN. Sports star, he does the morning show with Rob Thompson, who's one of my favorite people on planet Earth. And uh, they're going. Right. They're going to the game, dude. It's up the road. It's, couple, it's, it's in Houston. A couple of hours? They're going to oh. drive to Houston to to watch this, which I would love to go to a World Series. I've never been to a series game. And they're going to go to the, uh, watch the Astros play. And then they're driving back to do, oh, to do the morning show. Driving, so it's being lead foot the whole way. <laughs> yeah, does he drive, le- does yeah. he drive fast? Oh, I'm pretty sure. If right. not, Rudy J does, too. <laughs> they're not like you. Right. Hey, man, I like to get there, dude. I'm methodical. They I don't, get there, I, don't they, move, I don't move fast at all, man. I'm never fast. They do, too, but they want to be sporty about it. Sporty? They're going to be sporty about it. You know, they want to get there, too, but preferably before the game starts. You... <laughs> I like to take my time. You would man. have had to have left yesterday. That's why the ladies like me. I'm just saying. <laughs> Get a well, trust my wife. But... Walking in in the eighth and sitting down in the ninth. Oh, see how you are. <laughs> I also like to be on time, Mister Man. I am always on time. I'm like Gandalf. Okay, I always arrive in exactly when I intend to arrive. For the bottom of the night. Point being, <laughs> that this will be the morning show on, on the Sports Star tomorrow. <laughs> Ninety-four point five. So anyway, good on them. I'm glad they get to go. Of course, well, nobody, know, maybe nobody if, a, tickets, if, if there's a weekend game, maybe you could go to one out there and, and get some tickets. Talk, talk to Rob. Somebody give me some tickets. Rob's got connections. Hey, Rob can give me some tickets. They probably could. Hey, Rob, give me some tickets. The other thing is they have connections. They have some equipment that they could take with them and just do the show from their car in the parking lot. Well, why aren't they doing that? They're going to drive back. I'm like, you better pray there's no extra innings, dude. Plus, it's going to be raining real hard when they come Oh, man, that's right. Yeesh. Just wish I could get some tickets. Being a guy on the radio, it would be nice to get some tickets. Wouldn't it be great if I could get some tickets to a game and I could come back here and talk about it on the radio? You should talk to one of the hosts. Hey. Hey, could I get some, it'd be nice to have some tickets. Hey, Sean, can I get some tickets? Being some, I'm such a big baseball fan, it'd be great to get some tickets. I want to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. How do I get some tickets? When you go up to Rob and ask him for tickets. Rob, because you I know some tickets. His, I know what his response is going to be. Are you out of your damn mind? <laughs> it's the world no, series. No, 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 he's much more, he's, he's such a cool guy, he wouldn't do it that way. Be like, you know, Sean, I'll look into it. I, talk I, to you later, buddy. Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> I would love to. But... Let me tell you, I will try, because you gave me that poetry book, my friend, I will try to get you some tickets, okay? I'll never hear from him again. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. And then tomorrow when they come back, didn't happen. Like, Rudy, (laughs) Rudy, can you give me some tickets? Dog, I can't get you no damn tickets. (laughs) I ain't going to lie. I can't get you no damn tickets. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly Don't even think about it. (laughs) Don't even think think about it, man. Anyway, uh, 15 minutes after 9... Go Astros. I sure could use some tickets. Phone lines are open, 210-599-5555. Here's Sam. Sam, how you doing? I'm doing good. Go Strohs, go. Go Strohs. Hey, um, 
kind of an okay. When you get arrested for DWI and you hit somebody, kill somebody, whatever, blah blah blah. Right. You get arrested, right? Right. And not you know usually well not usually I don't know but they're supposed to hold the bartender and you know he got that well it, it's circumstantial it kind of depends yeah so situational he the gun and he is supposed to have checked the gun before he even practices right practices. well you know when I when I talk to this dude next hour we can kind of get the the skinny on what that protocol actually is now i know well i mean i i will tell you and i've and i know trey agrees we both you know if you're somebody who has handled weapons if you i don't care if it's a movie set or where if you hand me a gun the whatever the protocol is the first thing i'm going to do is check it right exactly hey let me change the subject real quick sure how much Oh, oh, God. You were watching the countdown, and your your little kitty cat kept you up all night. Well, you know, if you would be playing with your cat during the day, he won't sleep at um, he'll, he won't sleep during the Hallmark movies, and then he'll let you sleep at night. So that way, Jaja Binks doesn't wake you up. All right, thanks for the call, Sam. You know, I I could just repeat the entire show yesterday and explain why he brought that up, but I won't. And don't stop calling my damn cat Jar Jar Binks. His name is Jarvis. And I'm a talk show host on the edge, man. I will come through that glass, Chris. Still haven't taken my HR training. I didn't say anything. I will come through that glass. He's the one who said it. Yeah, but you were laughing. (laughs) You see see what you started, Chris. (laughs) His name is Jarvis. He is Iron Man's computer, okay? He is Jarvis. Okay, let's take a break. 210-599-5555. It's Sean on Newstalk 550 KTSA. Hi, this is Jack Riccardi, and you're listening to Newstalk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Stay connected. And we're back 924 on Newstalk 550 KTSA. I'm Sean. Don't call my cat Jar Jar. Do not call out this show and call my cat Jar Jar. His freaking name is freaking Jarvis. You also don't like it. Freaking Jarvis. Okay, let's go to uh, Steve online. What, Steve? How you doing? I'm doing well, sir. What do you think? The bottom line. The bottom line with the uh, the Baldwin Hollywood gun incident is that you either take guns seriously or you don't. Right. These people scream and holler when some second year old points a finger gun at someone mm. they scream and holler when some second second grader uh, 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 uh chews his peanut butter sandwich in the shape of a gun but then when they're playing with real they're professionally using realistic guns that weigh what a gun weighs look exactly like well, and these are real these are actual like. weapons oh these are actual weapons uh, like, you know well that's what i'm saying yeah. and then they're they're not the, the protocol doesn't matter. Every time someone hands you a gun or you hand someone a gun, you clear the weapon. When you receive the gun, you clear the weapon. Right. And then one more thing. The very, very best thing about the World Series is going to be, without a doubt, let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> I wonder you, if there's going to be any of that. It's coming. You, you know, know it is, coming. man. You know it's coming, man. I hadn't that's thought about be, that yet. <laughs> that's going to be the highlight, man. That's going to be they're not it's going to be hard to beat that. Yeah, I concur. Hey, thank you, Steve. Yes, Rock on. You know, I didn't even think about the Let's Go Brandon thing, man. Cuz you know, they don't do Let's Go Brandon when they're in a stadium, do they? They do the unedited uh, original version. And you have to wonder how these uh, sports reporters are going to, like, you know, cover that that crap up. You know what I mean? Because it will be live television, man. And you can't bleep out a whole damn crowd. You know, I wonder if they will try, though. I don't know. But you know, it's Chris, you know what's going to be going on. Blank Joe Biden. Blank Joe Biden. So uh, we'll have to watch and see and, and uh, see how that works out. Um, let's see, what else do I want to talk to you people about? Um, oh yeah, we only got a couple minutes here, so I, I th- this is just a personal thingy, and uh, I mentioned this on Where and Rima, but, uh, uh, you know, on Facebook, 
where the uh, your memories come up. You know what I mean? Which don't when you admit that that's kind of a double edged sword. You know what I mean? The your memories because sometimes it brings up awful crap that you don't want to remember. You know what I mean? But uh, this morning, because uh, I, I, I and still I check it. I, Chris, do you check your your memories thing? I check it every day. I, I'm fascinated by time. Time fascinates me as far as the passing of it and how long ago something happened. What was I thinking, you know, five freaking years ago? I had a, I had a, a, a face puke uh, memory come up, uh, I think, two days ago. And you know what it was? <laughs> it was just a very simple. This was way before uh, anybody was taking Donald Trump seriously in politics. I think this was when I was, when I was in Austin and he was kind of floating around the idea of running for president, and I, I, I posted, Donald Trump is a fame hog. He needs to shut the hell up and get over himself, dot, dot, dot. And here we are. <laughs> and now I wish the guy was still freaking president, man. Isn't that funny? Uh, but no, uh, today uh, came up, and I, I, didn't, I forgot about this, uh, but uh, 12 years ago today, I set foot in the state of Texas for the very first time. I moved to Texas 12 years ago. 12 years ago, I was living in Colorado, and uh, I, I got on a freaking plane, man, and said goodbye to Colorado and moved, and flew my ass out to Texas, to Austin, uh, because we were moving there. The, my then-wife and daughter uh, weren't coming out for another month. They had to pack up the house, get the moving van, do all that crap. But I had to start working at our station in Austin. Uh, and so I moved out to Texas 12 years ago today. And like I was saying earlier, it's, it really ranks there up there as probably, as far as me personally, the best choice I ever made. Even though on that day, 12 years ago, I had no idea what to expect. Uh, I didn't really know a lot about Texas. I'd read a couple of, uh, history books. Uh, I think I read H.W. Brand's, uh, uh, Lone Star Nation, I think, was the first history book I read on on Texas. I did a lot of research on Texas, but I still didn't know what it was like to live in Texas. I think I'd only been out here <sighs> prior to moving here. I think I'd only spent a couple of days here uh, when I got interviewed and met my new program director, who's also who had also never set foot in Texas, who's now still my good friend Jeff Wolf. And uh, and uh, so I spent a couple days out here, then went home, got a call. We want to hire your ass. Well, he didn't say it that way. And then 12 years ago, I got on a plane and came on out here, and I've been happy. You know, when I was living in Austin, this is interesting, because I really didn't. I thought Austin was a fun place to spend the day, but I lived in Lakeway, you know what I mean, <laughs> which is, you know, a golf community. It's like a frou-frou golf. We found this hippie house that these old rich people wanted to rent. In this golf community, and uh, so it's like the one hippie. It was like this really weird kind of artsy fartsy house, right? Around you know, surrounded by all these McMansions <laughs> in Lakeway. We lived about, I guess, about twenty five minutes away from Austin. And you know, the first summer that I was in in Austin, like, kicked my ass. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this, man, because I'd never been a real hot weather person before. And, the, you know, the, the the first year and a half, and plus I was in an unhappy marriage. So, you know, it was, <laughs> so I just wasn't really sure. I mean, I actually contemplated going back to Colorado, uh, you know, that first year I was in Austin. Because Austin, I didn't really, you know, I was doing a conservative talk show in Austin, which was kind of an odd thing to do to begin with. Uh, one of my first uh, gigs uh, when I got here was I did a week of my shows from oh I got to take a break from South by So What, and I had three hippies uh, you know because we, we had Glenn Beck's face on the side of the station van so we're not getting out of this week without either a hippie smearing crap on that thing or taking a leak on it and there sure enough some type of confrontation sure some enough. I caught a hippie peeing on the side of the van once in you know, one of those days but so I, I really wasn't a big fan of Austin. But then when I came down to San Antonio, I was like, ah, <laughs> this is where I belong. So, uh, also, and just one more thing. I have lived in Texas now, and specifically San Antonio. I have lived here longer than I've lived anywhere else in my life consistently for one period. Of I've never lived in one town for 12 years in my entire life. 
And so, uh, you know, that, uh, cause I knew when I set foot in San Antonio, this was it. I'd found my home. All right, 210-599-5555. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. News Talk 550 KTSA FM 1071. So I'm all hyper because of the World Series. It's 941-210-599-5555. So let me just throw this out there, out there because you're not really going to hear a lot about this. Uh, in, in the meteor, uh, I heard about it on Fox and I haven't really seen it any place. Or was it Breitbart? It might have been Breitbart. I'm not sure. Fox or Breitbart. One of those two. Um, but you know, a few weeks ago, uh, you know, we were talking about how, you know, Merrick Garland, uh, allegedly got this letter from the association of, uh, school board members. Talking about, you know, uh, uh, domestic terror, you know, threats against school board members and teachers. Uh, Merrick Garland, uh, your attorney freaking general, uh, you know, responded with, uh, this, discussing this, dis- quote, disturbing trend of, uh, of, uh, of threats against school board members and teachers and yet provided no evidence whatsoever. In fact, when he was being grilled by Rand Paul, he asked him famously now, you know, uh, dude, you know, what's, what, do you have any evidence? What's the evidence that you base that claim on that there's a disturbing trend of, uh, assault, you know, threats? against uh educators and and he's, he didn't, he just referenced the letter so in other words that's the evidence he had was them claiming this then we come to find out a couple of different things first off Merrick Garland's son right uh you know has a a multi-million dollar company that provides CRT materials to school you know school districts across the country winky 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 and then uh the next uh, chapter in this lurid melodrama that we discover is that you know uh apparently uh, uh the white house was working with this association of uh of school board folks weeks before Merrick Garland got the letter uh the implication being that this that the white house basically the white house sees all these pissed off parents showing up at these school boards uh, talking smack about CRT and bathrooms and all this crap, and it's a little too much heat. And so they start working with this association to craft this letter claiming all of these threats and they're domestic terrorists and you need the Patriot Act and blah, blah, stinking blah. They craft the letter, send it to Merrick Garland, giving him plausible den- deniability and separation from the White House. And then he sicks the FBI and the uh, Department of Justice on soccer moms, essentially, and parents as domestic terrorists. Well, just a, a brief note, note here. Uh, you might be interested to know that Viola Garcia, who is the president of that uh, school board, that association of school board members, uh, was just appointed <laughs> to a federal position uh, in the administration in the uh, Department of Education uh, as a a person who oversees the educational progress. That is uh, underway in America. In other words, now she's been elevated to a federal position that gives her more influence over our schools across the nation, coast to coast. The implication being there that, hey, you help us write this, you get this letter written and send it to uh, the Department of Justice, to the Attorney General's office, and we'll reward you with a plum little uh, appointment within the administration. Do you see the connections? Does it smell like swamp gas to you? Does it, do you smell the methane? Reeks, doesn't it? The fix is in, baby. So essentially, uh, Merrick Garland gets to continue making a lot, or his family gets to continue making lots of money. Uh, the administration is able to possibly chill, or uh, Trey said chill. I get what would the word be to, uh, 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 put a, uh, I guess, uh, I'm trying to think of the word now. I'm having a brain fart. Uh, dissuade people under the threat of federal investigation from going to school boards and voicing their opinions. 
You have squashed. Did I say squashed? You have quashed. <laughs> you have quashed free speech in America because they're being a little too critical of of what's going down here in the schools. Because there is an obsession with CRT, and and I'll tell you what it is with critical race theory. This is my thought. They lost a lot of African Americans uh, during the Trump years because, well. Through a couple of chess moves, there were suddenly opportunities in some of these communities. They had jobs. Uh, Donald Trump didn't relate to them as victims, didn't say they were too stupid and lazy to get a photo ID to vote. He treated them like human beings. And a lot of them, man, they started leaving the political plantation of the, de- of the de- Democratic Party. If you think about it, okay, it wasn't really until... Uh, a lot of blacks started moving on over to Trump and moving away from the Democrats that the CRT stuff started really, you know, uh, gaining, uh, started gaining traction. People started knowing of it. See, because the Democrats are so racist, <laughs> right, that they think that they can just recast the whole thing and retell all these blacks that they're victims and the evil white man is the enemy and all things, and that'll bring them back to the uh, political plantation. And I think they're wrong, because if you look at a lot of these school board meetings, a lot of the parents are what? Black. Who are the folks in a large measure who are resisting the vax mandates? Blacks. A community that uh, demographic that the Democrats have depended on uh, since the late sixties, and they're losing them, man. So anyway, there's that two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. How does that make you feel? This is Jamie Markley, and you're listening to News Talk five fifty KTSA and FM one zero seven one. Stay connected. And we're back again. Uh, coming up at ten oh five. Very uh, interested to talk to. Uh, Dan Frankel, who is a cinematographer, union cinematographer, uh, knew and was a friend of Helena Hutchins and has worked with Alec Baldwin, and uh, we'll speak to him. Uh, very grateful for the interview. We'll speak to him uh, about his friendship, Alec Baldwin, and what he thinks uh, as a professional cinematographer himself uh, about what happened. You know, so that's uh, that's coming up at ten oh five. Uh, also, I, I did just hit up Rob Thompson for some World Series tickets. I did, Chris. I went in there and I was just like, hey, you know, if you, I, I gave you a book of poems. Because I did. I gave him a book of poems. It's an 800-page book of poems, dude. <laughs> and I'm the greatest poet on planet Earth. And so I'm like, uh, can, can you get some tickets? How many more copies did he require for the tickets? You said he'd have to get back to me on that. He said, well, I'll get back to you on that. Tickets to the World Series, because they're going tonight. Anybody got tickets? Anybody listening got tickets? I want some tickets. You know, I was thinking, I, I, I take great pride, you know, in, in that, you know, as a professional in my industry, that I, the people that I endorse are all people that I believe in, or I've used their products, or I like their product, or I like their service. You know, I don't... I don't just go on the air and endorse anybody. You know, anybody that's a professional doesn't do that. You know, I, I believe in all these folks that I talk about. But, you know, Chris, you know, for, like, tickets for the World Series, you know. We need to try to find some Braves fans. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, 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 for tickets to the World Series, I'd endorse, like, a like a meth lab. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, but the, <laughs> the Braves fans are most likely to be the scalpers. Well, I'm just saying. I'm Sean for Pedro's Crystal City, okay? Saturday night is Dime Rock Night. Got some tickets. I'm kidding. I would never endorse a crack house. I'm just saying. (laughs) Pedro's Crystal City. (laughs) Located on North Calabria. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, But no, I'd like to get some tickets. I want to go to the World Series. You know what I could do? They're leaving. I could, like, just hide the truck. <laughs> Whatever vehicle they're taking, I could, like, just stow away. <laughs> so you set a fire with your car battery there. You start a fire. Hey, what's that over there? Then jump in the vehicle with the tickets and drive off, man. It is going to be some late nights, though, man, because game time is at, what, 7? I am praying for redemption for the Astros. Kick some ass and do it without the trash cans, man. 
That broke my heart. I feel like Michael Corleone. You broke my heart. Fredo, you broke my heart with the trash cans. So go Strohs, go Strohs. So, yeah, again, uh, looking forward to this, uh, talking with a, a professional cinematographer who uh, has worked with Alec Baldwin and was friends with uh, Helena Hutchinson to get his thoughts coming up next. Uh, and then we'll talk about some of the other crap that's going on in the world. What Ilhan Omar has to say about the Minneapolis Police Department and whose fault it is that there's so much stinking crime in Minneapolis. Apparently, according to Ilhan Omar, it's the cops' fault. It's their fault. They're dysfunctional. And she would like to replace the Police Department of Minneapolis with the Department of Public Safety. Because that'll work. Uh, Let's see. What else? Uh, We'll talk about the migrants uh, who are getting ready to storm the border. Thousands of migrants, also known as illegal aliens, who apparently are being organized by QR code. Did I say that right, Chris? He shrugs QR code. It's all coming up next hour, News Talk 550 KTSA. New court documents reveal authorities seized nearly 30 items from the movie set in New Mexico, including three black revolvers, ammunition boxes, a fanny pack with ammunition, and several spent casings. Sean Reimer, 9 till 11, News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Five minutes after 10 on News Talk 550 KTSA. Let's get right to our our guest. Uh, We are very uh, thankful uh, for this gentleman to be joining us today. Uh, His name is Dan Frankel. Uh, he is a cinematographer and a producer, and, and uh, through a mutual friend, I'm told that he is very good friends, very close with uh, Helena Hutchins, and also has worked with Alec Baldwin. Uh, welcome to the show, sir, and, and I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. What Thanks, can you, for those of us who only know about her through the news stories, what can you tell us about her as a person and what she meant to you as a friend? Uh, she was an amazing person. She was, uh, uh, just like the ACS, uh, you know, she was a rising star. She, uh, her career was just exploding. Um, she was, um, uh, very good at what she did. Um, her cinematography was fantastic that we, we were both, um, we were both, going to a lot of the same forums and uh, had a lot of mutual mutual friends out there, colleagues uh, throughout the union. And um, she was originally from, uh, from Kiev, uh, the Ukraine. And uh, I have a lot of family from Odessa in the Ukraine. So we, we had a lot of mutual uh, commonalities there. So we just, you know, we hooked up, started talking, and just became good friends. She, she was a wonderful person. Uh, again, I'm so sorry for your, for your loss. Um, you, apparently, you've worked with Alec Baldwin before as well. Uh, yeah, I, I was actually not in the capacity of film, believe it or not. A few years ago, um, I did uh, I, I did executive protection with a team. Uh, that was ran ran by an Orange County Sheriff's Department deputy, and I was brought on and and uh, we did some uh, armed security work for Alec, and that's actually how I met him. I, I, it wasn't, it had nothing to do with film. <laughs> right, right. I, you know, I and uh, on this show, I, I'm not, I'm not passing any judgments on anybody because, you know, I'm one of those guys where I want to know everything until you know we start. I want to hear what the experts say. When you first, and I know this is going to be a painful memory, but when you first heard about what happened, what is your, as a professional, what is your initial response? Uh, yeah, that, good question. That, that I, I actually found out uh, from my a producing partner, who's a former police officer in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and he sent me, uh, he did this on Messenger, I had I knew nothing about it. It was just like, you know, it was a very, uh, it was a very, the, the article didn't have any names to it. And I'm, it just said cinematographer passed away, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I called him up and I'm like, what is this, you know? And it didn't have any, contain any information. I said, like, is this new? And he said, yeah, this just happened. And, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to go out there 
and and shoot my next feature in Albuquerque and uh he said yeah let me let me you know cuz he's a police a former police officer he called and got her name um immediately when it happened and when he forwarded it to me and he and he sent me a photo of Helena and I and I'm looking at it and I'm like I, I I'm like come on and that's that's just that was funny cuz I I knew her you know and I, so I'm I'm hitting him up and I'm like where do you get that information? He goes, well, this just came through. And my friends just told me at the department that this is what's going on. This is what happened. I'm like, you know, I, I, I had to immediately hang up with him and I tried to call. Well, I actually, I, I contemplated it. I was thinking, do I call her? You know, cause this is weird, you know, cause I had her cell phone, of course. And I thought to myself, well, that's, you know, I don't want to, I don't, if that, he he didn't sound like he was joking, and he wouldn't have. That would have been really not a good, not a funny thing. So, I I didn't call. I turned on the news, and then all of a sudden, all these things, you know, you know, it started to unravel that that was in fact um, true what he had sent me, and uh, it was it was. I couldn't even think straight. To be honest, it was I was in shock. It was totally shocking and. Because I knew her, she was really, she usually had a lot of safety in mind. Um, we had sat down uh, and discussed each other's common practices and, and things that we've, you know, encountered before on sets, and we talked about things like like this, you know, and um, just over the years, you know, just just um, when other things would happen, she would say, hey, you know, we just would kind of compare stories and that just didn't seem like something that she would have been involved with. But, uh, and now that we know more, you know, as information is rolling out, it's just really weird to me that, that for me, I, you know, as an armor, I mean, forget about the cinematography for a second as an armor, I have never encountered, and I did guns for almost 20 years and, on a lot of films as an armor and I've never when when I started hearing it that guns were laid out on a cart I mean as armor is sometimes it's okay to put guns on a cart but you have to have uh, an assistant when you're going to do that and you have to be with those guns if they're going to be laid out on a cart you never leave them unattended which is really weird Um, I have other colleagues good friends that are uh, armors and they're working armors every day and they said that they've never done that either like this, this is not common practice and to walk away um those guns were unattended which is it, it's that's never that's never a common practice right it's really weird well and i've heard different things i i don't obviously this isn't my field so i i, I you know i'm th- th- very thankful for your for your insight and again we're speaking with dan frankel who's a cinematographer producer former armor as you said for 20 years what is the protocol of that gun going from the armorer to the actor well i'll give you exactly it it doesn't get passed around uh it doesn't go from the armor to the first ad contrary to what some of these people have been saying, I know some of the media, which that, you know, they're, they're green. I wouldn't expect them to know. And a lot of speculation about that, but they've been wrong almost every time I'm hearing all kinds of interviews that that gun should never be, first of all, it shouldn't be visually, visually, uh, you know, you, you, you shouldn't even see weapons on the set until you're pretty much ready to do a scene, whether it's rehearsing or, you're gonna. You're about to do. Uh, you know, go live with the shot. Um, you're you're supposed to have those guns put away. They shouldn't be just out on display. It's not a gun show. You know, um, those guns were all usually the the good the guys that have proper training and know the protocol. They're pretty much kept out of view uh, until the shot is ready to go. And I don't mean gunshot or anything. Right. I'm just you know until the scene is ready to be. Uh, rehearsed and blocked the guns would then come out whether the if the armor is by himself okay if you, let's say that let, we're working and we don't have an assistant the luxury of an assistant the guns stay locked up put away uh and open never loaded they're never we never put blanks in the gun 
until the, until the director is ready, the shots have been rehearsed, they're ready, everything's been blocked, and they're ready to go. Uh, then those guns are still not loaded. You you take the uh, the blanks. Usually we carry, you know, um, we'll have like bags on us or whatever that contain blanks, and we will walk directly to the set uh, with the gun open. It's not that means that if it's an automatic, the slide is pulled back. Um, if it's a revolver, the cylinders are always open, and um, we will walk to the set uh, with the director, the first AD, we'll have a safety meeting. That meeting will, you know, we'll get the entire crew uh, gathered around and we'll stop everything. Anything that anybody's doing needs to be stopped so that we can make everybody on the same page, identify that, hey, we're walking, uh, we're walking to the set with a, with a weapon and uh, we're about to do a scene, and I will explain everything that's happening. I will show them the difference between a blank and a, and a dummy because, you, you know, you can't show them a live round because those are never there. But a dummy is, you know, the closest thing that somebody would see. And those are typically on set as well because a lot of times the cinematographer, the director, and it'll call for it in, this, uh, in the script that you'll have what's called an insert, which is a close-up of a round uh, that needs to go into the gun, and typically and periodically with revolvers, whether they're modern or period piece uh, shows, those guns you, you need to see that they're loaded. If the if the camera is facing, if the actor is somewhat kind of aiming the camera, uh, or I'm sorry, the gun toward camera, uh, you could see through a revolver that the guns are whether they're loaded or not. So a lot of times they'll load blanks uh in there or if or dummy and the you know obviously if it's a blank you could see that because the blank is crimped they look nothing like a real bullet so to keep the show you know to keep it as realistic as possible uh we would have dummies on set that match the weapons caliber uh, for insert purposes and close-ups and things right. like that. But so if a character is loading the weapon and you want to show that these are these are not these are still right. not real bullets. These are dummy bullets. Exactly. Right. You, you really want to you want to you know to do a job. You you know a lot of people. It's been common practice for decades that you know the armors would have a, a dummy and and tragically, it, you know just speaking on the dummy thing real quick. A lot of people have been making the mistake about. Brandon Lee, um, and, and that incident of the crow, that was a revolver. Also, it was a 44 Magnum Smith and Wesson. It was a K-frame, eight-inch barrel uh, stainless weapon that was used in that uh, incident. And what had happened was the the dummy dislodged itself. Uh, they were doing an insert, the close-up shot. And by the way, that show they laid off the arm. The I was part of that team. Uh, that was laid off two weeks prior to that accident. Mm. And there was a lot of tragedies. There was budget problems, budget concerns. We were laid off. And then a somebody that I have no idea who uh, was involved in loading and unloading, it was probably like the person handling props. But it was very similar. Mm. It, a situation that had happened uh, on the Crow back then with, with this situation, they were trying to, like, cut corners, you know, when you're cutting corners and rushing and, you know, typical typical on a on a lower budget. And that was a studio film, actually. But right. they, same situation, right? So the anyway, back to the story, the, the, they were doing a close-up. The, the dummy, the bullet dislodged itself from the shell casing and, you know, fell halfway down this 8-inch barrel, yeah. and it got stuck because of the rifling of the of the gun of the barrel. So when they later when they when they were ready to do the next scene, that individual with you know that did not have the training did not notice that the projectile had dislodged itself from the casing, then proceeded to load it with full flash or what we call full load blanks uh, that are the most powerful blanks. There's like three different kinds of loads. There's there's quarter flash, there's quarter load, half load and full load. Uh, the 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 lightest loads are commonly used for working around animals. Like if you're going to do a, a set movie uh, uh, that's 
that's set in the 1800s or whatever, like an old Western. You're working with animals, horses. You don't want to scare the animals, so they would lo- we would load those uh, with the light loads, and then half and full are more cinematic. They have they produce more more uh, they're loaded with black powder, so they produce more of a flame, and you could see them easier in the day. But they're all a lot more powerful, and you know these things are lethal if if somebody gets hit, you know, as close by. Uh, they could kill. Uh, so this this know, the, the 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 bullet is is lodged in the barrel and the 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 yeah the the blank the fired it basically in the barrel right exactly force of that it gave the energy uh, to propel that that slug and that's what ultimately killed right. him. Well, but and then we're getting a little low on time. And again, I appreciate your time, uh, Dan Frankel, a cinematographer and producer and armor and a uh, uh, friend of. Uh, Elena Hutchins. Uh, Two more things. What what do you think happened? I mean, was this, how do you, what is your sense of what went down? I mean, we've all heard about how the, uh, some of the crew had left a few hours before. You have a very young armorer who's not very experienced. What do you think happened? Well, you know, they, the IATSE guys, and I, and we still don't know if that was really a a full blown, and I don't think it was a full blown IATSE show. I think there were, there were members of the union dotted around the crew that were working, but I don't think that was a union show uh, completely. I think there was just a lot of the on-camera crew felt that they weren't being treated correctly. There was over hours being rushed, safety concerns, obviously, that we know now. I think something I, – I, I believe that when some of those guys were replaced or the armor, when that person, when she was hired – by the line producer or whoever, I don't believe that if she was the original person from the get-go, she clearly did not have the experience. Um, she was not experienced. She said that on, you know, mm-hmm. she admitted that she she should have, you know, wasn't even going to take the job there originally, and probably did so for financial gain. But I think that that individual, there's a, you know, sometimes when you're rushing and you get people who are just uh, thrown in to, to save a buck. They don't understand that protocol. And if they were around guns to begin with, like this young girl was, she probably had a lot of things in her bag of, uh, you know, uh, mixed up and with things that are, it was probably not organized. So those live rounds, it, it most likely it's more probable. I don't believe in any conspiracy that it was set up. And, right. That, that union guys were, uh, you know, they were disgruntled because they were, they, when they returned, they found out they were replaced. I don't believe any of that. I think it was pure negligence, criminal negligence, the, um, on the part of the armor and the AD who has had a, a obvious um, history of, of um, this kind of behavior and rushing. And, and I, I think that those two kinds of, uh, individuals that are careless that don't know the proper protocol that ad should have never had his hands on that or picking up a gun off of the cart number one and she should have never had live rounds mixed in with mm. her blanks i think that's what happened uh, ultimately i think that's what's going to come out is that it was just pure uh negligence um mm. at, on their part Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, uh, we appreciate your time and uh, for coming on the show. And again, I'm I'm so sorry for your for the loss of your friend. Thank you, sir. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you, Dan Franco. We appreciate your time. Uh, we got to take a break. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk five fifty KTSA and FM one zero seven one. Sorry, dude. Hope he's not a union guy. News Talk 550 KTSA. Uh, quick break here. Um, you know, I, I wanted to take some time with uh, with Dan Frankel uh, and get his insight. <laughs> uh, I'm not laughing about that. I'm laughing because I, I stepped over the voice guy. Um, you know, a lot of what he said made sense to me uh, as far as what happened uh, on that set in uh, in, in New Mexico. Because what what he said, and I, I I didn't know when I had him on the air. I didn't know anything about him really. I had a, you know, get a mutual friend that turned me onto this guy, and uh, 
uh, said he wanted to go on the air, clear some things up. I didn't even know he had been an armorer himself for 20 years. And one of the things that I'm hearing over and over and over again is that protocols were not followed. Union people, seasoned, experienced union people were not were not used or have been so disenfranchised they walked off the set. Uh, and uh, uh, you have an inexperienced, young, inexperienced armorer uh, who, you know, again, we go back to this business of the, of the guns, the weapons being left on the cart, unattended. Uh, and you're, you're sort of seeing a, or hearing a consistency with people inside the industry that, well, this was just a, a bad set of circumstances, and there might be some criminal negligence involved here, because, and I didn't even realize, I've been a movie fan my whole life, and I didn't realize the extent to which there are safety protocols on a movie set when uh, they're, they're using weapons. So we'll talk a little bit more when we get back. And we're back, Newstalk 50 KTSA. Now because I stepped on the voice guy, Chris is pointing at me every time I'm supposed to talk, start talking. He points at me like I'm a stooge. Anyway. Well, obviously, you need some directions. So <laughs> Apparently. Just, he's just trying to help you out, you know, being the new kid on the block and everything. I, I've only been at this for 32 years. That was an inter- a fascinating interview. It was. And I, because, uh, again, this came to my, came my way very quickly, and I didn't, re- we really, it was interesting because he, he also was part of the team on The Crow with uh, with Brandon Lee and what happened right. there. So we got a lot of insight. And I, you know, I think he's probably pretty close to it. Yeah, that you know you well, had an experience. What's that? He had the experience with you know the Brandon Lee situation, and right? A lot of similarities between that one and this one, where you have inexperienced people, basically, or non-union, non-seasoned people, right? And I, you know, I, I, with the part of it that I, and plus he was a friend of uh, of uh, Helena uh, Hutchins, uh, which is very poignant. But I, you know, I have never realized just how many layers of protocol there is in having a weapon on a set yeah i didn't you just don't think about it no you know i figured they would have one person right would you know check it out and make sure that everything was was good to go and then hand it over to the actor and the thing that he kept coming and this is something we've heard other you know folks in the industry say is that the fact that these three weapons were left unattended on Mm -hmm. a table right was very strange or very out of the ordinary and uh, and his thought first off, I, I'm I, you know the theory that somebody slid one in there to 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 do it or to, you know for whatever reasons he says no that's not likely but um, his thought was it might be that she was just disorganized and she had live rounds for whatever reasons mixed in right in a bag somewhere is what he said mm-hmm. but uh, you know it's a very cool interview so this is going to be one of those things where um, it's going to take a long long time to sort out exactly what happened right. You know, because the, the local police department is going to do their investigation. Sure. And then you've got all these other organizations, unions. Right, you know, the they're, they're, they're all going to want to do their own investigation as well. You know? Yeah, so, you know, it's going to be a, a while before they come to any conclusions. Right. He did use the words, though, negligent manslaughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't put any of the, put any of the blame on, on Baldwin, see, because yeah. he also dispelled that idea that the actor is involved in some way but they're handed the weapon right as the sh- to do the shot yeah and the weapon is supposed to be you know like a revolver which i suspect the cylinder is supposed to be open mm-hmm. and that that was interesting because i didn't know that you know because that's how you handle a gun anyway i mean anybody who handles weapons don't knows that's how you do it so we'll see we'll see but uh, a fascinating uh discussion there let's go to uh steve on Newstalk 550 ktsa what are you thinking i, I didn't hear your interview i'm sorry but my question is how did real ammo get on the set? Well, that's the question, you know, uh, to be answered. Because according to uh, the guy we talked to, there shouldn't be any live rounds on set. Uh, he well, talked about dummy it. rounds in the in the in the crow case where you you had a dummy round, which is a uh, a prop made to look like a bullet for like close ups of loading a gun. And what happened is the 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 bullet part had had separated from the casing. So it actually became a bullet when the blank was fired. Uh, so he, he didn't know. I mean, it, it didn't really have any answers as to why there would have been a live round anywhere. So that's still something we don't know. 
and that's what nobody's addressing. That's where the problem lies. So if protocols break down and nobody checks the gun, if they, if, if if it's inadvertently loaded with a blank, probably nobody's going to die. The person that did something wrong was the person that brought real ammo to this set. That's the that's the person that should be. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, and, and why would they? Why would there be a live round, any kind of live rounds uh, involved? So, you know, I I, I don't know. Uh, that's that's the question to be answered, and. Uh, our friend that we had on the air didn't know either. I mean, why that would be. So a lot of stuff broke down on this thing, man. We do know that. A lot of protocols, a lot of normalities, if you will, or, or layers of protection and safety were just not there. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I, you know, if I'd had more time, I would have asked him about who, you know, about Baldwin and what he thinks would be his part in this. Uh, but you know, we just, we, we'd taken all the time we could possibly take. Uh, 210-599-5555, 210-599-5555. Uh, we also have, uh, illegal aliens being found on a freight train, hiding on a freight train. You know, we got thousands of illegals that are heading towards the border, and they're, they're being organized by these QR codes, which I didn't know, QR, I didn't know what that was, and I, that's that little funny looking thing that you have people scan, right? Cause I actually had to use one of those for my medical appointment yesterday. And apparently these migrants all have cell phones with these QR uh, codes on them for organization purposes. So who's paying for all that crap? <laughs> we got illegals hang, you know, hiding in freight cars. And Chris, you just got a new car, right? I mean, I, have you checked the back? Have you checked the trunk? Have you? You should maybe take a look in there, man. Yes. <laughs> Is you might have a migrant or two, uh, you know. You hear any weird thumping when you're driving around? No. Well, I mean, just when I'm running over stuff. <laughs> Jeez. See how you are. But that's that's probably one of the, you know, lower models, the base model. Right. I have no idea what that means. I don't know anything about cars. Um, also, so, you know, we got over a million, what, a million point six people we feel... We think, and that's probably lowballing it, uh, have made it into the into the country, and nobody's really talking about that anymore. The whole border crisis kind of—it's not top of mind right now because we've become inured to it. We, we've talked about it for so long, right? And so nobody's really thinking about it now. I mean, people are, obviously, we are, uh, but nationally, it's kind of fallen off the radar, and it's still going on, man. We got a what do they call that a, a a caravan of thousands of people getting ready to hit the hit the border, and they're saying things like "We're on our way, Biden." Who two one zero? What do you think about that? Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Let me know what you're thinking. Well, this show went fast. Also, a guy in Alaska uh, was, uh, I said that 12 years ago I moved to Texas from Colorado, right? 12 years ago today. I've been here exactly 12 years now. And one of the things uh, that I don't miss about Colorado are the freaking bears. I, I have a, a friend who has one of these cameras, you know, on the door. Uh, still living in Colorado, their family, and, and you can kind of see the front yard there. And she posted the other day uh, a video, uh, a night vision video of this freaking massive bear walking through there. I don't miss the bear. There was a guy in Alaska who was bike riding in Alaska, and he got charged by a 400-pound brown bear. Things started gnawing on his leg. And so he kicked at it, and it ran away. I wouldn't advise kicking a bear. You know what, that, that if, you, if you are in Colorado... Or Colorado is how you're supposed to pronounce it. And you, you stop at a rest site or you go to a campsite and they have bear warning signs, Chris. It has all this crazy crap you're supposed to do, like try to make yourself look bigger and loud. Loud. But you know what? The last thing on the list is always fight! Just fight! Whatever you just fight! He's got to kill you! The thing about this guy in Alaska is he had a piece, man. He had a weapon. But he didn't, he was kicking at it. I'm sorry, I know there's a lot of animal rights lovers out there, but man, if a bear come up, come up on my ass and I got me a weapon, that bear's going down, man. I'm shooting well, the bear. Maybe there's different levels of fight, you know. No, if a bear's gnawing on your leg, he's going to get to your innards at some point. Shoot the damn bear. 
I'm going to miss the damn bears. Okay. 210-599-5555. It's Sean on News Talk 550 KTSA. Hi, this is Trey Ware, and you're listening to News Talk 550 KTSA at FM 1071. Stay connected. <laughs> News Talk 550 KTSA, FM 1071. I'm sorry. He's cracking up over something. I have news. Okay, this is now being reported by KFI in LA. And they're, you know, and they're 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 deeply connected to the uh, film industry out there. We are now hearing through TMZ that some of the multiple sources connected to the film, the the Baldwin film have are now telling TMZ because the big mystery is why were there live rounds? Apparently, some crew members off off the clock on their own time were using some of the guns, including this one, for target practice. And they had brought their own ammunition. TMZ, this is from the KFI story. TMZ reports the target practice incident occurred off the clock when crew members shot the gun with real bullets away from the movie away from the movie lot, which is how some believe the live round was unknowingly in the chamber when Baldwin shot the gun during filming. Well, that would explain it. And somebody brought some live uh, ammo uh, to do target practice. Now that's still well, but still that still falls on the shoulders of the armorer who would who should have been checking the weapons. And as our uh, uh, Dan Frankel uh, uh, told us last half hour, that when you, you, the weapons are not on set, first off, they're never out of the, uh, uh, they're never unobserved. And that when the weapon is brought on set and is brought on set, when they are ready to shoot that particular scene, uh, if it's a, it's open, if it's a revolver, it's what I thought, I, I kind of thought this, the revolver, the cylinder is out, so you can see that, that it's empty. So these dudes were shooting live ammo in this gun, and there must have been one in there, or maybe more than that, I don't know, but let's say there's one in there. And multiple protocols were not followed. The guns were left unattended. Uh, very obviously, the weapon was not carried onto the set with the cylinder open, or they would have seen there was a live round in there. What we know is that it was handed to Alec Baldwin, and they said uh, uh, cold weapon, which is you know means there's no rounds in it. And he was practicing the scene, doing a cross draw, and and must have pulled the trigger, thinking there it was an empty gun, and that's how that's what happened. Wow. Now it's still entirely possible that he may face some some criminal negligence uh, char- as the executive producer because there was a lot of problems leading up to this. I'd say, that, Chris, wouldn't you say the the dudes doing target practice offset would be a problem of anyone putting live ammo in these weapons? So, you know, the plot thickens, man. The plot do thicken. So we'll uh, we'll keep following this. A lot of stuff I didn't get to. Uh, and, you know, and I got to, I got to, I got to, you know, come clean about something also. We were talking about Trey and how, you know, yesterday that, you know, we, we were talking about how he and Nancy spent their, their day going to like Sam's and buying groceries, doing laundry and stuff. And we were, we were having fun with it. Uh, you know, I, 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 Chris, very often my wife ends up doing the laundry and I, I have to ad- admit that openly on the air in, in all fairness, my wife does quite a bit of laundry. She's probably let you do it once or twice. Well, I, I can, I, I know how to do laundry. I'll do it when like I have no, nothing to wear. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I batched it for a while. I know how to do my own stinking laundry. But Chris and I were talking about the whole grocery thing and then I, you know, if I want something, I go, if we need groceries, I'll go buy groceries. But, like, I'll, I'll go to get one or two things. What happens in my house is my wife adds about 19 things to the list. So let's say I'm just going, I'm just, right, baby, I'm going to run over to the HEB and uh, get one of those uh, quick, one of those ready meals, one of those steak and lobster ready meals, baby. I'll be right back. Oh, while you're gone, I'll get the text. The text is, like, longer than the book of Leviticus. Oh, maybe I was just going to go real quick, baby. We'll get us some tortillas. Uh, we need some uh, bottled water. Well, not bottled water. We need some uh, some orange juice. Don't get the hand basket. Get the cart. Get the cart. Yeah, I always end up. I, I go to. That's what happens to me. Is I go to make a basket purchase, and I end up with a freaking cart purchase, man. Alicia needs some teas. Get some teas. The green teas and the green cans. We need some Dr. Peppers. 
Need a loaf of bread. <laughs> Food for Jar Jar. You mean Jarvis, don't you, Chris? You mean my cat named Jarvis, don't you, Chris? No. Why do you insist on calling my freaking cat Jar Jar Binks? I would never call any animal that lives under my roof Jar Jar Binks. I don't call him Jar Jar And that's Binks. why you keep, that's why you, his name is Jarvis. Jar Jar Jar, say it with me, Chris. Jar, Jarvis. Jar. Sphinx. Uh, Jarvis. Iron Man's computer. Jarvis. Cat's name is Jarvis. People are now emailing me. How's Jar Jar? And so I write an email. His name is Jarvis. You know, multiple S's. Half the page of that. Cat's name is Jarvis. I would never name my, any animal in my home after that insipid character from that stupid Star Wars movie. He's a kitty. Stop it. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's that's a show. we got to get the hell out of here. Uh, thank you, Chris. Thanks to Elaine Rodriguez, our executive producer. Thank you, Jar Jar. Don Morgan uh, and my good brother Trey Ware. And uh, our thanks to Dan Frankel for joining us on the air. Spread the love. Don't be a jerk. Jarvis. On Newstalk 550 KTSA, bye.